Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Hello. How are we, gentlemen? Surviving. <laughs> but, yep, surviving. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's about all we can hope for right now. That's, that's where we're at. It's been actually a really busy week of news in F1 world, so we have quite a bit to get through. Starting with what has become our new feature on the podcast, it's calendar news. Hey! With actual good news this time, uh, starting with the Austrian Grand Prix, um, the Austrian government have actually given the go-ahead now for two races to take part at the Red Bull Ring. Um, So the first is currently scheduled for the 5th of July. And then we should get a second race at the same circuit uh, the weekend after that. In all likelihood, it's going to be a behind closed doors thing, as we've discussed. There have been some reports that said the Austrian government have potentially allowed up to 500 fans to be there, which seems like a gesture at a crowd at that point. But I, I, I expect it's going to be behind closed doors. Teams are apparently going to be limited to 80 staff each. Um, and they'll all have to pass a COVID-19 test and have the relevant paperwork to enter the country in the first place. And then it's believed after we get those first two races in, we're going to have one or two races in Hungary. I would assume if they are doing that, the teams that were already out there in Europe would head straight to Hungary rather than come back to the UK or go back to Italy first. But it looks like we actually have a race with an actual date that's going to actually happen. Yeah, which is a good place to finally be in, I guess. It is, yeah. For for those that have been craving the racing. Um, I, as long as everyone that's working on it from a, a crew and staff point of view is sort of looked after and able to take the precautions they need to, that's good. Like, you don't want people necessarily putting harm's way for entertainment, though. That's, exactly, that's yeah. one thing. Um, but yeah, as long as everyone's been looked after, it, it should be a welcome return. I know a lot of countries have got football back behind closed doors now, and I think here in the UK we're getting that back at some point in June, aren't we? So Something like that, yeah. These smaller gatherings, I guess you'd call them, for entertainment purposes, appear to be going ahead. Yeah, Bundesliga um, have sort of proved it can be done under certain circumstances, yeah. haven't they? Mm. Yeah. Like I say, as long as everyone's been looked after, I think that's the main concern, really. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of which, uh, the British Grand Prix or Grand Prix, they're also looking good. Um, basically, F1 appears to have been granted an exemption from the 14-day quarantine rules uh, that the government have imposed, provided that the people involved follow a very strict set of guidelines, um, which you know involves them minimizing travel and all traveling together and distancing for the teams and all that kind of thing so i think within the next few days by the looks of it we're going to get confirmation of one or two races at silverstone likely towards the end of august i think um sort of towards the end of the british summer because i mean they tried having a silverstone race not in the summer once or twice didn't they and it was a bit of a disaster so yeah not a great idea that (laughs) no (laughs) One interesting little detail on this, though, per, for those of you listening in the UK, um, as I'm sure you know, at the moment, Sky have exclusive rights to all live races, except for one, Channel 4 get one live race, which is always the British Grand Prix a year. But there are reports knocking around that the British government are keen on getting both of the races at Silverstone on free-to-air TV. I don't know if this is kind of 
them trying to distract people from the what's going on with some fun sports to watch or something along those lines. But there's a chance that those of you in the UK without a Sky subscription might get two live races rather than the usual one this year. But that's very much rumor and hearsay behind the scenes. Um, but as I say, it sounds like we're going to get an announcement in the coming day. I'm going to honestly expect an announcement first thing tomorrow morning, just before we release this podcast, to be honest. Yeah. So <laughs> it becomes irrelevant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. That's, um, that's usually the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. And then finally, sort of as we've expected for a while, the Dutch Grand Prix has now been officially cancelled for this year. Um, the organisers did say they are basically ready to host a race, but given that it's such a big deal that racing is coming back to uh, Zandvoort for the first time in however long it's been, they want to do it properly and wait until they can actually have a crowd there, which doesn't seem uh, feasible right now, which I guess is understandable. Mm. I mean, ultimately, we're only having a race there because of the Dutch fans that pop up at every mm. single other race. So yeah. it'd be a bit weird to finally have a race there and then have no fans. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems a shame. It, it I does. Mean, I'd prefer to. I'd prefer them to run the race if it's a possibility. If the only reason they're not doing it is because no one's going to be at the actual track, then that seems a bit of a cop out to me. To be honest, I think. I think the only difference I'd I'd agree with them on on this one is the fact that it's the first. It's it's return to the calendar. Like I think we're we're at a mainstay race already. You'd I'd be more with you, Stu, I guess, I was saying, just just do it behind closed doors, kind of like what Silverstone are going to be doing and Austria and stuff like that. But I don't know, I, I can kind of see the the whole point of like making a, a sort of a big a big spectacle of its, its return. So rather than cramming it in to what is going to be a busy schedule already anyway, maybe just if they're willing to say, look, choose the space for somebody else, why not let them? Yeah, I don't know, to me it just feels like taking races off the table when they need to get as many races in over a short period. When of time we're already struggling for them. Mm. Yeah, so like when you know it's quite easy to get there from anywhere around it in Europe, pretty much. So I don't know. It just seems. I wonder if there's something that we're not hearing underneath. Potentially, that. yeah. There's, maybe there's some some sort of regulation around COVID that's that's stopping it occurring that they just don't want to mention. But um. You know, well, if it's cancelled, it's cancelled. It's just a shame. I'd I'd really like to see how the cars go around there. There probably wouldn't have been that much overtaking there anyway. (laughs) If there's any any silver lining to be taken from it, it probably wouldn't have been that great of a race. Maybe that's why. Maybe they're expecting not an amazing race there. And (laughs) it's the fans being there that was going to make it. So they're worried that if it is the first race there and there's nothing happens, then they never go back. <laughs> a bad race plus no atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not a great combo, is it? So It's not ideal. Yeah, so I wonder if that is it. But who am I to do? We'll find out in a year's time when they actually do have a race there. Yeah, it is It is back for next season, um, assuming things are back to some level of normal in a year's time. Uh, but yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. The, the rate first. they're lifting lockdown measures in this country, I'm sure they will be basically back to normal. <laughs> We'll have a whole season of races at Silverstone by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, Final thing in calendar news. There is a plan knocking around to host some reverse grid races in place of qualifying at the events where two races are happening. So currently, 
Austria and Great Britain. So proposal is at the second event of both of those tracks, on Saturday, instead of qualifying, there would be a 30-minute sprint race, the starting grid of which would be reverse championship order. And then the result mm. of that race would determine the grid for the Sunday. Now, this is a thing we've talked about quite a lot. A lot of people have talked about the potential for bringing in extra race over the weekend and stuff. Unfortunately, it's looking right now like it's just not going to happen because a change like that requires backing of um, every single team. And right now, at least Mercedes are opposed to the idea. Depending on what you read, Racing Point are potentially also opposed to it. But then again, Racing Point tend to vote with Mercedes on most things given their relationship more of which later who'd have thought it the team that normally leads the championship doesn't want to start from the back at- <laughs> yeah the, t- the team that's got very good at winning races by qualifying at the front and disappearing and have traditionally not been good at chasing other cars yeah <laughs> who'd have thunk eh? it's i think it's a bit of a shame i think they'd have more chance of it getting through if they ran regular qualifying for the main race I think I, 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 everyone knows. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows how I want to do it. So <laughs> I'm gonna. Re- I'll repeat it again because I don't even need to have it written down or remember how I'd have it. Just get rid of Friday practice and have that as the sprint race, and then have regular qualifying on Saturday, and then regular race on Sunday. Sorry, not Friday practice. Well, you could get rid. Of, you could either get rid of Friday practice and do, have that. One of them, yeah. probably not. Or, but sorry, get rid of Saturday final FP3, practice on Saturday yeah. and have a thirty-minute sprint race then instead, because you know, like who who's really that interested in Saturday morning practice? You've got qualifying straight after it anyway. Yeah, exactly. I guess the argument against it could be that if one of the cars gets damaged or some of the cars get damaged, then they're going to struggle to qualify straight afterwards. So then the argument would be, okay, just have one practice session on Friday morning, then go straight into a reverse championship grid race on a fri- on the Friday, then have your practice session on a Saturday morning, and then qualifying on Saturday afternoon, then race on Sunday. Yeah, That seems like the logical way to do it. If you're going to get a reverse grid race in there, then do it when no one would be watching anyway. Pull some of those dead eyes into a space where there's nothing happening to make it so that there's something happening in that space. Yeah. The thing is to do changes like that, though, would require pretty significant changes to the rules and thinking of point systems and all that kind of stuff. I just kind of feel like, though, given the situation that we're in right now, now kind of like we're already in a situation where we're having back-to-back races at the same circuit, which is unheard of in Formula One. Now kind of feels like the chance to give some of these things a go if we could do the this idea they've come up with now for a couple of races that might prove that the kind of concept of sprint races for qualifying works so then for future year rule sets they can do bigger changes to implement an idea like the ones you've just said Stu. it just seems very (sighs) stuck in their way to just be like no we're doing it how it is like we're not even going to consider doing anything different like yeah what's wrong with qualifying though what's wrong with qualifying the way it is now that's the best bit one of the best bits of a race it is isn't it it is but i don't know f1 sport in general is in a bit of a hole right now like we've got team we'll get onto it a little bit later but we've got a lot of teams really 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 struggling right now financially 
an F1 mm. really needs to come back with a bang and needs a lot of eyes on it and a lot of money coming in and maybe doing something a bit different to get a few more people watching on it. Because, you know, I think more people are tuning on a Saturday to watch a sprint race than they will qualifying. And maybe that's what yeah. F1 needs right now. And, you yeah. know, maybe it only I happens mean, I... twice this year and it never happens again, but it yeah. might be what it needs. It might be, but I, th- I just think don't get rid of the things that work for something that might not work. Mm. Is, instead, get rid of the thing that already isn't working because not many people outside of your hardcore fans are watching on a Friday. So do it then. Don't do it when everyone's watch when everyone will be watching anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. It's a, it's a fair and point. also like you say like that that a lot of sports are in dire straits and they're struggling with audiences definitely don't take away the things that work then because you're just going to put people off even more if it doesn't yeah yeah i don't know i I, I just i I just think it'd be so much i I think why get rid of qualifying is already great instead of taking away something that works for something that might not get rid of something that's already not working and replace it with something that might or might not work, might that might be quite fun. And I think the teams would be a lot more up for it as well. The teams would be a lot less objectionable to something that's not going to have a huge bearing on the championship compared to what they're, what they're suggesting here. But then to play devil's advocate, please if do. You take, if you take your average garden variety, man or woman on the street, person watching Formula One, they maybe pay a bit of attention to practice in Austria on Friday. Then they watch qualifying in Austria on Saturday. Then they watch a Grand Prix in Austria on Sunday. Then the following weekend, it's qualifying again in Austria. How many are really going to tune in to watch the same cars driving around the same track doing the same thing again? Yeah. Whereas if you suddenly say, bam, reverse grid, 30 minutes, probably a bit of chaos. Maybe you'll get a few more people sticking their TVs on at that point. I don't know. It's, yeah, that's a, that's a very good it's, point. It's a plus to both sides, isn't it? Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. And I to, do totally agree with the if it's not broke, don't fix it mentality because I the current qualifying format we have is great. There's no need to mess with it. Yeah, that's what, and that's my fear is that like they'll if if it does work then they'll get rid of something that already works really, really well that people love. They're underestimating, I think, how much people do love qualifying. As yeah, it. definitely. And the thing, as I keep saying, the thing they need to get rid of is the thing that people don't care about, and that's that's Friday practice. No one's that bothered about Friday practice. And Saturday, practice on a Saturday morning, no one watches, man. Like <laughs> the highlights, if you look through I can't, the... Stu. I can Yeah, but... If, don't take away um, my practice. Tom, if, I if, you look, if you look at the numbers on the YouTube on their YouTube channel, if you look at the numbers of people watching the practice highlights on a Saturday morning, no one's. But watching. if you take that out of the game, I'm never going to win a championship ever again. I need that time. I'm not good enough to do it without the practice. <laughs> you, need your, uh, you need your resource points. Yeah, I need yes. all those resource points. <laughs> I, mean, I I would happily get rid of practice on a Saturday if it was up to me I'd have rid of practice on a Saturday morning and put I'd throw a sprint race in there and then maybe give them a bit more time in between so they can have qualifying later on in the afternoon honestly sort I'd of jumble, a... jumble the day around a little bit so the GP2 the F sorry the F2 races before qualifying and have qualifying finishing off the day rather than the F2 race finishing off the day 
I think an egg and spoon race would be more entertaining than third practice, to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. So, um, so replace it with a reverse championship grid. There you go. That's that's what I want to do. But that's not up to me. Well, a, a formal vote on this is expected this week. Um, as things currently stand, it's probably not going to go through because, as we've said, Mercedes don't want to uh, rock the boat that they're currently winning in. But yeah. And you never they? know. They might have a change of heart. Some unfortunate news now. Williams have announced that they are opening a formal sale process uh, after posting a £13 million loss last year. In a statement, they said they are considering various strategic options, including but not limited to raising new capital for the business, a divestment of a minority stake in Williams Grand Prix Holdings, or a divestment of a majority stake in Williams Grand Prix Holdings, including a potential sale of the whole company. Um, they said they're not in receipt of any approaches at the time of the announcement, but they are in preliminary discussions with a small number of parties. It's it's something that Williams are one of the few, if not only, team that still exists that they exist to race and nothing else. And they've always pushed back against the idea of selling up or losing control. But they're basically meeting now that them surviving as an entity may well rely on this. Um, and they also admitted that under some circumstances, there's a chance that the Williams name could disappear at this point if they do go down the route of completely selling up. It's 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 sad news, but it's also not incredibly surprising news, I don't think, given their recent years. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's been, they've been on a downhill trajectory for a while, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. It's the. I guess the thing for me would be is when you are struggling. It, it's interesting to hear that they are cutting those ties with the current title sponsor. But I, I guess to pursue the leads that they want to pursue, they probably can't have a title sponsor because there's like a conflict there. So That's the there only will thing likely be reasons of. to it, but it just seems odd that in a in a world where they need cash injected into the business and don't have a buyer lined up, they're saying goodbye to their title sponsor. So th- there must be something else in terms of the way that things are working contractually that means that they can't have them anymore. And that's why yeah, because they announced basically at the same time that they are parting ways with their Rocket, who are their title sponsor. Um, but yeah. they didn't they didn't explain why. Which that's the only reason I can think of. As you just said, Tom is like it's it's to be in the sales situation they're currently in, they can't be title sponsored. Williams and Rocket both in statements said that both sides had held up um, their parts of the contract. So it's not like it's some contractual or financial dispute like we may have seen with other title sponsors in the past, naming their names. Mm -hmm. Said title sponsors also trying to interject themselves into this deal. Yeah, with some ropey photoshops. I think it'd be (laughs) funny. Management would be absolutely bonkers to go down. Well, do you not remember that he nearly ended up on the side of the Williams in the first place? Yeah, that was their original plan, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then they ran off because they could see how much (laughs) how mental he was, so they got rid of him. (laughs) But so a side detail to this is, as a result of that, the livery that we had in testing is never going to be raced um, because it was very heavily rocket phones uh, inspired. So they're going to have a new livery announced um, before the first race of the season. But yeah, it's it's obviously difficult times for them. It would be a real shame to lose 
the Williams name from the grid. I mean, to be honest, that name comes with such a history in the sport and so many fans. I think even if they did end up selling the company, I think unless the new buyer specifically had something they wanted to name it, they'd be a bit crazy to change the name, surely. like Yeah, I think I, I can't see the name going anywhere. I think the brand is is a strong brand, isn't it? In terms yeah, of unless they're literally racing. bought by another car manufacturer or racing mm. company that exists. That's the only reason I can think of why you'd want to change that name. You, yeah. you potentially have a, a dual title name. I can't remember how they refer to them, but like they've been... I thought they were been a works team Williams for for yeah. a while, weren't they? Yeah, so that's true. Like, it, it wouldn't like if a works manufacturer wanted to come in and get involved. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try and retain that because maybe not like a, maybe not everybody would, but like you were saying, Stu, uh, sorry, Chris, there's a lot of fans instantly tied to Williams that would yeah, probably completely. stay around no matter who. They partnered up with Engine Wise. It'd, it'd be a case of like Williams is their team. It's like if in a, another sport, like a manager gets a sack just because a new manager comes in, they don't people don't stop supporting the team. So yeah, I think exactly. like bringing in a new uh, a, a manufacturer, if they kept that Williams identity, I think that there'd be a good fan base for them and good support mm. for them straight away. Do you think? Can you think of a manufacturer who 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 might want to step in? Well, That's Aston Martin kind of wanted potentially to get involved, didn't they? Recently, yeah. There until... been different, there's been talks amongst lots of different teams to do with Aston Martin coming in. But Aston Martin are racing point, aren't they now? Yeah, exactly. So they like whether they whether you end up with like a um, a point in the in the near future where like a team like that is actually manufacturing engines, but. Don't they ask the Martins use Mercedes engines now? Yeah, they do. So you probably wouldn't even what, get that from them. What about Porsche or Audi? I think they'd be too concerned with um like fully electric rather than hybrid. Like imagine the fact that that they're not that interested in Le Mans anymore in WEC. Yeah. Because because of the fact that, you know, they the technology's not ethical enough for them or however they want to put it I, I can't remember how they worded it but well VW you know I mean? got... out and out said we're not going to take part in any motorsport that uses traditional combustion anymore yeah, yeah that's a brand decision isn't it because of the yeah, Dieselgate scandal exactly yeah which is kind of hurt sports like Formula 1 from a um, yeah. manufacturer point of view in- interestingly if you didn't know Mercedes are uh, having a bit of a similar issue with that this year I don't know if you knew about that. Oh, we emissions I don't think it'd have, stuff. Yeah, I don't think it'd have as big of an impact because it's a, it's a much smaller subsection of cars, but it's more or less the same thing um, with certain cars mm. that were posting invalid emission figures. Let's say. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's a whole. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole thing. We'll, let's, we'll not go into too much. Um, yeah sort of detail on that i think for the risk of getting sued for millions and millions of pounds <laughs> for telling a few thousand people that <laughs> um mazda mazda could be maybe they've got they have some interesting engine technology i don't know if that whether they'd they're probably going as a as a who would you like to see as a car manufacturer come in is my question is my real question like porsche would be cool 
Audi would be cool, but again, we've ruled that out. Lamborghini again, they're part of VW Group, Lamborghini, so that's not going to happen. Yeah, Lamborghini would be a good one, though. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, Unlikely, but it would be nice to see. Who else? To be completely honest with you, I think we're probably more likely here to get a more of a racing point situation where it's just a billionaire that comes in and buys them. Mm. Yeah, to be honest, I, I would agree with you. I, I I would agree with that. Do do Jaguar do their own combustion engines and hybrids? Uh, yes, they do I their believe. own electronic ones, don't they? They do the fully electric themselves. Yes, I believe yeah, they, they do. do. Yeah, because that that'd be like a a nice way. I think that you can already tell the way that I'm going is it'd be nice to have like a, a British car manufacturer, a British brand associated with Williams, which is always yeah, been, definitely. historically a very British team. Can imagine yeah. in a year or two's time we could have Aston Martin and Jaguar on the Formula One grid? I'd love that. Yeah. I'd love that. I wonder um, if there's like a Chinese car manufacturer out there ready to step in because Chinese cars are, are obviously, there's a huge, absolute, huge market in China for 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 for, for, for cars. <laughs> so, we need... Um, we need Sanyong from Korea. They got the best <laughs> yeah. cars. Yeah. Sanyong got the best. My mum, when she hears this, will be happy to hear. <laughs> she drives a Sanyong for reference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's definitely scope out there for them. There are people out there who I think would be interested in this. And, I, and again, it's worth reiterating that this isn't Williams are for sale and they're going away. Like, a very real possibility is that someone will come in and just invest a lot of money to help them keep going. Yeah, I would if I could. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone, <laughs> someone on um, Reddit did work out how much Williams would be losing from the Rocket sponsorship and how much it would take the F1 Reddit if every user contributed to get the Reddit to be the title sponsor of Williams. <laughs> they actually didn't work out that expensive, surprisingly. I'd do it. I would totally do it. I'd be I'd great. I'd be in. Did you know, do I have told you guys this, that my name was on a Arden GP2 car at a race? Yes, one. I remember this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I entered the yeah. competition uh, through Special Effect, uh, the gaming charity, who coincidentally I'm running a 10K for soon. So, oh my look God. My Twitter yeah, response. It's about Chris now, now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Chris Does a yeah. 10K show. <laughs> but yeah, my name, my name was on the end plate of a GP2 car for a race. That's really cool. That is cool, though. And, but yeah, anything else to say about. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say regarding the name change and stuff is. I think even if someone does come in and wholesale by the team and bring in all their own personnel, you can sort of see a situation where they keep like Frank and Claire kind of as honorary board members with kind of ceremonial roles, just sort of keep them within the team and keep it some kind of element of the Williams name is still there, even if it's Mm. functionally a completely different company. But yeah, we definitely hope for some good news for Williams soon because it'd be a real shame to see them struggle any more than they already are. Yeah, really would. Um, right, I'm going to move songs because we'll have a lot to get through. It's been a hell of a week. Mm-hmm. New rules for this year and next have been approved by the World Motorsport Council. 
Um, I'll rattle through the bits we've already talked about in the past. Uh, budget cap has been agreed. Uh, $145 million next year, and it will fall by $5 million a year for the next two years. Uh, they are freezing a number of components between this season and next, which includes the chassis, gearbox, impact structures, and a few mechanical components. Uh, they haven't given the details, but they're bringing in a token system to allow some very limited changes in those frozen areas, which is obviously important for McLaren because they've got to try and shoehorn a Mercedes engine into a car that was designed around a Renault engine. So they will need all their tokens for that, presumably. They are limiting the number of power unit upgrades that can be made during a season, and that starts this year. Um, so you, I'm sure you've heard in the past that Ferrari or Mercedes are introducing like the third generation version of that year's engine. Uh, they're going to be limiting how often they can do that. Uh, for next year, there's an increase, unfortunately, in minimum weight of the cars by three kilograms. Uh, why? I don't know. I haven't seen anyone actually go into any detail as to why the cars need to be three kilograms ever. Uh, I would argue that they need to be making the cars lighter right now because they're turning yeah. into absolute boats, but there we go. Just a quick one. Is that not the total weight between car and driver, though? Would that not give you just slightly more driver allowance, potentially? Oh, yeah, they combine it, yeah. don't they, these days? They combine it now, and... so it might actually be more along those lines. And there's ballast, isn't there, based on... Is that in effect yet? Will that be in effect with these rules? No, I've not seen that mentioned. Because um, right. that, that was the whole point of changing some of the things, wasn't it? was so that there were far less restrictions on driver weight and then there would be a ballast that would bring a car up to a an overall minimum weight should a, should a driver be the reason it was underweight. There was like a, a car minimum and then a total minimum. And yeah, then you'd cause... have ballast to reach the total minimum if your driver was too light. Because there was that period of time where drivers were all trying to bring their body weights down massively because yeah. of the way the rules were. So, yeah, I think it was kind of to, to combat that. So it, it might be more tied into that, I guess. And then I thought this was very interesting. Uh, they are changing the dimensions and complexity of the floor for the 2021 um, rules. The reason for this is... So we were supposed to be getting next year the new rule set, which included the uh, new 18-inch tyres. But obviously, now we're getting the new rule set a year later. The current Pirelli compounds need to uh, carry on for another year. However, because teams are constantly improving their aero performance the Pirelli tyres that were originally designed to only do a couple of years wouldn't basically be able to handle the additional uh, levels of downforce that teams are expected to find, even though the rules are staying pretty static. So to kind of combat that, they are changing the floor rules to take some downforce back off the cars. They basically think that teams are probably going to find about half a second's performance from aero just from general development, but these rule changes to the floor will take half a second back off them. So it'll kind of level the playing field to stop the tyres not being able to handle the cars anymore. But it also means Pirelli don't have to design a brand new compound for one season before the new 18-inch ones come in, which I thought was very interesting. Hmm. Essentially what they're doing is, if you look at a car from above right now, as things currently stand, if you draw a line from kind of the front of the side pods back to the rear wheels, it's currently a straight line. And the new rules, it's going to be kind of tapered back in towards the inside of the rear wheels, which I think actually the, looks the, quite cool. 
that's the floor you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah, the floor, floor of the cars. Yeah. Um, and they're also removing some of the complexity of the, the veins and stuff. But yeah, I thought that was a very interesting solution to a very unexpected problem. Yeah, it is, it is a really um, key development area, that. Because yeah. Yeah. The, the, the purpose of that, we've spoken about this before, the purpose of those slots is to seal the floor. You're, making, you're pushing the air down and you're making, you're almost like making a vacuum using air under the, underneath the car. So um, if they can't, if they get rid of those slots, they're making less of a vacuum. So there'll be less suction, sucking the car down to the floor. So it's a, it is a really, really, it's a very clever idea. Very good way of yeah. getting rid of downforce. It's a relatively simple way of doing it as well, isn't it? Without yeah. like extensive amounts of reworking being done, it probably is the simplest place to to restrict them in, I guess, to, to bring the cars down, like you say, and, and sort of keep them within the range that the tyre is capable of so we don't have any issues with that <laughs> yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Speaking of aero, the last thing from the new rules... Uh, starting next year, um, the number of wind tunnel runs and CFD hours, CFD being computational fluid dynamics, um, or essentially virtual wind tunnels, uh, the, the amount of that the teams can perform is going to be reduced and then adjusted based on their championship position in the previous season. So this talks a lot about hours of CFD and runs in wind tunnels. Nowhere can I find a how many hours teams currently have of CFD, that just appears to be not published. And B, what the definition of a run in a wind tunnel is. All these new rules talk about the number of wind tunnel <laughs> runs, but never define what a run is. But there we go. It's from when you turn it on to when you turn it off. So if you leave it on all season, <laughs> it's just it's one, still one, one run. run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Big power bill, but... <laughs> It's all warm room. <laughs> so the, the default limits are going to be 40 wind tunnel runs per week, which is already going to be a 30% decrease on uh, what they're currently allowed to do. But the actual limit per team is going to be on a sliding scale um, adjusted based on their previous year's championship position. So it's kind of a success penalty almost. Um, so the team that finishes last will get 112.5% of that amount whereas the team that is the champion will only get 90 percent of that so for example if mercedes win the championship this season they'll actually only get 36 runs per week the following year which is almost half of what they currently get so it's going to be a massive hindrance uh, in terms of aero development to the teams that are successful compared to now compared to now yeah but relative to the other teams it won't be that big of a penalty will it if they've already got a really good platform well maybe not next year but as of 2022 and i think this will stay the same for the next five seasons the percentages for first to eighth place are going to be reduced even further so the champions will only get 70 percent of the base which translates to 28 runs per week so then you're suddenly talking about the difference between uh boy be like 40 the high 40s for the last place team and 28 for the first place team which is a pretty significant difference in terms of development that is a big gap yeah yeah that is that's that's a very big gap and as you say teams have already got a good platform it's not going to hurt them massively but they've said this is not designed to be a 
overnight change in the running order. It's more to gradually over a number of years to even things out a little more in terms of the error development. Um, and I guess, you know, it sits alongside the budget cap stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah it'd be um, interesting to see how it does pan out for the the more front-runner teams, having that having less time in there. Yeah. yeah. The, the, really, the really important thing is, is to define what a run is. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I would guess a run is you build something, you put it in the tunnel, you turn it on, you get the data, you turn it off. As soon as you yeah. change something on that model, that becomes a new run, a run, I would assume. Yeah. yeah. So so how is that police? Do they have an FIA, FIA delegate there every time the wind tunnel's switched on? It's another very good question that I don't know the answer to. I think, and I might be completely wrong here, I think it might be one of these situations where it is kind of self-policed, but at any point the FIA can ask for the evidence or send someone over to check kind of thing. So mm. they there's, there's mechanisms in place to catch them out if they were to be cheating, at which point they would be slapped very firmly on the wrist, I imagine. Yeah, but I don't I know think, exactly. I'm kind of yeah, guessing ask- that. Asking Formula One teams to self-police is like putting a slab of meat in front of a bloodhound, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, especially if it's uh, a monetary fine that they get, they'll take. They'll just take the fine to get yeah. extra runs. Yeah, because yeah, then it's no different. Self-policing is not the way to run this sport. I'm afraid. Mm. Um, I, the faith. I have faith in the. If they're properly policed, then totally it'll work. Absolutely, it'll work. It'll it'll reduce the gaps between the teams and should level out the playing field somewhat. Um, but it absolutely has to be policed properly, and it yeah, and that yeah. they and all the nuances of the rules have to be very very clearly defined because the best people in the world at finding loopholes are employed by the Formula One teams to exactly. find the loopholes and exploit them. So. You know, again, it's it's like any rule in Formula One. It just has to be really, really carefully considered and not held at face value. Actually, you know, done. Don't rely on the teams to have good faith in the rules and use them in good faith. <laughs> rely on the teams to break the rules and just make sure your rules are watertight. Because otherwise, exactly, it just yeah. won't hold up. I like I like the idea and concept though, because it, it's not dissimilar in a way to like success ballast. But yeah. whereas that is a very definitive thing, doing it with wind tunnel time, it's you're you're limiting time or giving more time, but it still ultimately comes down to how the teams use that time. Like you yeah. could give you could give me all the wind tunnel time in the world, but I wouldn't be able to design you a good front wing. Whereas yeah. give Adrian Newey an hour and he'll probably knock out something that will uh, run around at the front. Like it's, it still very much goes down to the talents of the team, which is important in Formula One, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the more talented you are at doing that in the in the least attempts, I guess, like you say, like a newie of this world, the more desirable you are to those front-running teams that have got less wind tunnel runs. So exactly, yeah. Doing yourself a multitude of favours by being able to mm. to crack something like that as quick as possible. Next, Renault have confirmed they intend to stay in Formula One uh, despite making 15,000 worldwide job cuts recently as part of a 2 billion cost-cutting Oof. plan, uh, which they Jeez. largely blame on the uh, the difficulties of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, they the did lock- cite the, the new... D. 
<laughs> they did cite the new budget cap rules as one of the reasons they are going to stay um, because their future has been very unsure for a while. And a lot of people think that's maybe one of the reasons uh, Ricardo decided to jump ship. They didn't give any actual timescales on this, just that they intend to stay. But, you know, good to hear. It's nice to hear that manufacturers are still committing themselves to the sport. Yeah. Also, Cyril Beatable uh, confirmed that Fernando Alonso, quote, is an option for their uh, vacant 2021 seat. Some people are reporting that preliminary talks have already taken place, but take that with a large pinch of salt, I would say. Um, it's pretty vague. I think I think most teams would say he's an option, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whether it's an option um... either either side decides to take, I don't know. What do we want? Do we, do we want Fernando Alonso in that Renault seat? At least they give us some entertainment for however long he's there. <sighs> yeah, it would be banter, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> it would. It'd be, but how quickly is he just going to lose interest again because he'll be running around in the midfield? Mm. Unless, as we've said the whole time for Danny Ricardo, they suddenly turn up with the new rule set and blow everyone out of the water, but... Well, I think if they're making 15,000 job cuts, I can't see them pumping too much cash no, into exactly. the one team. Like they're going to show up with an absolute showstopper, can no, you? No, not at all. He's just a potential for you. Is Daniel Ricciardo the new Fernando Alonso where he goes to a team, <laughs> they don't really do that much, and then he leaves and then they suddenly get better? Because the yeah. Red Bull got he's better after he left. Similar, he did. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's had a similar career path, hasn't he? Yeah. In fact, yeah, because... Fernando started at Minardi, which was Toro Rosso, correct? Uh, yep, correct. Actually, yeah, because yeah, oh well, Toro Rosso, didn't Toro Rosso, Toro Rosso were what were once Minardi in spirit, realistically. Yes, a couple yeah. of Minardi became Toro Rosso. Yeah, yeah. because um, Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso have driven for all of the same teams now, including oh, yeah. the Toro Rosso Minardi <laughs> thing. <laughs> That's yeah. that I never yeah. thought about. That. Yeah, that's a weird. He's, he really is just trying to copy Fernando's career yeah. path, isn't he? He grew up idolizing him, got into the sport at the same time as him, and now he's just following his career path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we've already mentioned them once on this podcast. Uh, a manufacturer that don't exist in Formula One, but there we go. We're going to talk more Aston Martin because they will exist in F1 in a year's time. They have got a new president, uh, so Lawrence Stroll, who is the owner of Aston Martin and Racing Point. He's appointed a former Mercedes-AMG chief executive Tobias Mowers uh, as president and new chief exec. Um, He's been with Mercedes since 2013, and he's supposedly widely credited with basically turning AMG from a kind of niche tuning company into what is basically an incredibly well-known sub-brand of Mercedes these days. He's sort of credited with most of that success. Um, from what I've read, he's basically known for being a massive petrol head and utterly terrifying as a person to work with. Um, a lot of people say Ooh. that the um, outgoing um, Aston Martin president, um, whose name escapes me, Andy Palmer, is supposedly known for being quite a nice, friendly person. So a lot of people think uh, Aston Martin employees are in for a, a hell of a shock when uh, Tobias turns up. Mm. Um, I, I wrote this down because I saw it in a Financial Times article of all places. 
Um, it said, since Tobias Mowers was named as chief exec for Aston Martin, a common thought has circulated in the industry. Staff of the luxury car maker are in for a shock. He's the exact diametric opposite of predecessor Andy Palmer, said one senior figure who knows both men. While Mr. Palmer, who led Aston Martin for six years, is no soft touch, he is almost universally regarded as being nice. Of the half dozen former colleagues and acquaintances of Mr. Mowers contacted by the FT, none volunteered that word to describe the man leaving Mercedes AMG. <laughs> uh, people are frightened of him, oh, said God. one industry insider. Wow. I mention all this because it is significant to F1 because Mercedes and Aston Martin slash Racing Point are already fairly closely tied. As I think you mentioned earlier, Tom, Mercedes provide engines for Aston Martin road cars. Yeah. They also provide the F1 engines. Um, they provide some other parts, I think, don't they, to Racing Point. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I think they maybe get their gearboxes and something else. It was the whole aero package for this season, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it provides <laughs> yeah. the whole car. <laughs> Basically the car, yeah. yeah. Um, but, they did a Haas. Yeah, but given that we're in a time where the future of Mercedes in the sport and Toto Wolf and both their drivers is kind of all up in the air right now, to have a situation where the two companies are tying themselves together even more mm. closely is it's it's very interesting um mercedes have kind of tried to like squash some of this doubt about their future talk but they also haven't confirmed anything like they haven't confirmed their participation in the sport beyond next year or the year after i think it is Toto, as we've said, is out of contract at the end of this season. There's uh, there, there's going to be more to this, I think, going forward. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they're probably looking to go down the sort of Ferrari route of having Alfa Romeo or Haas, and the Red Bull route of having Toro Rosso yeah. as kind of a sub team, I guess. Mm, definitely. Obviously, they've got quite a big young driver lineup at the moment that they're and they're struggling to get drives for some of their drivers. You know, they had Esteban Ocon, they've lost him to Renault. Um, if they're not careful, they're going to end up losing George Russell to some other team if another seat comes up. And they've also got Lando Norris on their books now, I believe, even though he's a... Kind for, of. Uh, even though he's a McLaren We never driver, got real confirmation of, of that. Driver, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're in a situation where they've got at least two drivers who they don't actually have their own seats for so it'd be nice for them to have you know racing point would fit that kind of template quite nicely i think yeah former for yeah, say like a feeder team because they've kind yeah. of used williams for that on and off but it's always been more of a have our driver and we'll pay his wages kind of deal rather than it being yeah. an actual proper uh like company connection yeah, yeah. Do you think there's appointment though? Do you think you'd potentially see something that would? It, it's a, it, the the figure that I'm picturing in my head immediately when I I hear these descriptions of him is like an an Enzo Ferrari mentality. Like he was notorious for being ruthless. And yeah. Like, like the like the bad guy from Space Jam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was like he was notorious for being ruthless at Ferrari and obviously got him results back when you know when he was still around. So could that see Aston Martin go that same kind of way with someone like that in charge? And suddenly they they they're like reborn almost because they've not had the best of time in recent years. Realistically, have the Aston Martin as a brand. 
No, not at all. Well, I mean, they've they've won some sports car races. They've done they've done mm. well in Le Mans over the years. Um, Pro Drive run their uh, Aston Martin race team pretty much. Yeah, in that, um, in that sort of category. I mean, uh, it would be. I think it'd be great to see Aston Martin doing well in Formula One. I, I think as a brand, if I if you know if I'm um, I mean I'm not their demographic probably, but. If if I was in their demographic, am I going to go out and buy an Aston Martin, or am I going to go out and buy a McLaren or um, or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini? You know, like probably leaning towards the McLaren over the Aston, I'd say. And this this is the thing: it, he is coming in as president of Aston Martin as a whole, and yeah, right now Aston Martin have got garages full of unsold cars, so his attention's going to be on things other than the F one team primarily, but. Even so, he's he's a very Mercedes heavy presence or former Mercedes heavy presence within that team, which it's it's got to have some significance going forward, hasn't it? Yeah, I think the thing that's killed Aston Martin is this blooming Valkyrie project with uh, Red Bull. That's, they're trying to make a hypercar, aren't they? And it's just taking it's not their the it's time. not their remit, is it? No, but Aston Martin for me has always been and probably always will be like a you know, a slick two-seater sports car and nothing yeah. above that. Like, that's, they're not... To me, they don't stand out as, like, a hypercar or supercar manufacturer. They they stand... They're, they're like a... <laughs> you're doing well for yourself and you want a sports car kind of manufacturer. That's kind of where mm. they sit, I think. Um, and may, maybe well, they've just got I a bit know. too adventurous. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I've, I've always seen them as more of a Grand Tourer sort of car. Oh, that, yeah, there's that yeah. as well. So, you know, it's the sort of car you take for a big road trip across Europe Yeah, with uh, with your rich friends. <laughs> but the, but there's, a, there's a distinct thing with both those two kinds of cars, and that's like the the price bracket that they normally fall into and the, and the customers yeah. generally are more or less the same for both those kinds of cars, whereas the, the hypercars that they've been trying to do are way above and beyond that, I think, so... I mean that Maybe that Valkyrie has just turned out to be such a waste of time, really, hasn't it? Like they developed it with Red yeah. Bull, and they're going to make them and sell a few, but like they're aiming to be sort of entering Le Mans together and stuff with them. And then obviously, with Aston Martin now becoming their own F1 team, they've just kind of cut all the ties and they've finished designing it, and it's just sort of it, it exists. Yeah. They'll build a few and sell them, and they'll probably sit in the collector's garage, and that'll be about it, won't it? Yeah. I've yeah. got to say, the Aston Martin website's sick. I've really cool. <laughs> <laughs> got that going just for them at least. Look. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've, they've got like a thing that just makes the car sort of rotate slowly as you move the mouse around. It's really, really, nice really, really classy. Yeah. Very nice. Um, <clears throat> Aston Martin cars. If you could get an Aston Martin, which one would you have from this list? I think I'd go DB. I think I'd go Vantage, actually. Yeah, the Vantage is really That's nice. That's the old, the, the two seater boy that. Um, that Tom mentioned. That's the yeah. That's probably their nicest, coolest car. That you, I think you do picture that mostly. Yeah, I think you're right there actually. No, no, I, no I agree with you though with the Grand Tour thing as well. But it's like I say, they're all they're all kind of within that same area in terms of like financial price point and like the the target customer. And yeah, stuff. they're all they're all like sort of middle aged professional with a certain salary. Like, mm. and they've started trying to reach above that. I think with the Valkyrie thing. So yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, who am I to dictate to Aston Martin how they should be selling cars? <laughs> I'm just a mere mortal. <laughs> uh, it's going to be nice to see the name in F1, though. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic as to what their livery is going to look like. I'd, I'd hope it's some British racing green. Yeah, their GT cars to tend to look cool. Um, yeah, they have for for one of them. They have that really bright yellowy kind of. Uh, yes, yeah, they, they, like, very, very akin of... to some of the old Lotus colors, like a racing yes. green with a bright yellow. Yeah, um, um, it's terrible look to have a green race car, though, don't you know? Really, yeah, really bad look. They tend not to so, do well. And they're suspicious. The superstitious types. These uh, yeah, they really are. Races. So, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I mean, it'd be cool. I mean, it'd be cool. The the old Caterham always looked pretty cool. I thought. Yeah. In that green, in their green. Didn't but, do um, much there, did it? No, I never did. Didn't Just have the, best the look. stereotype of green is bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but the bright, um, the bright yellowy brawn, almost brawn GP yellow kind of look. I thought that looked really cool on the older, on the yeah. on the uh, GT cars. So maybe they'll go for something like that. Excited to see. We'll find out in about seven or eight months' time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless they keep the BWT sponsorship and they'll just be pink still. Mm, I hope not. That'd be a that'd be a shame. I think they look obnoxious, don't they? In the pit. then again, B eight B W T do pump a lot of money into that team in order to have the entire car in their colours. So, yeah, also true. We shall see. They they, they do pay for it. Um. Anyway, moving us on. Uh, last little thing I put in here. Uh, the World Endurance Championship and Le Mans organisers uh, have put together a official virtual Le Mans twenty four hour sim race which is taking place on the 13th and 14th of June, which I believe was originally going to be the date for the race. Was it not? Uh, it was, it was it usually around mid-June, yeah. yeah. I don't know the exact date, but it's around then. Yeah, so we're going to be a sim race, full 24-hour race, taking place in R-Factor 2, a 50-car grid of LMP2 and GTE cars. Uh, every team, they've said, has got to have at least two real-world racing drivers and a maximum of two esports drivers um, to essentially stop what's happened in other esports things where people quickly <laughs> realize that uh, real world drivers are not so good in sims and esports drivers are very good and the esports guys coming in with everything. <laughs> but we won't mention any names. It's very apt that you keep his name. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, he did it. He did it. Oh, I did very what? good. Very good. What? what? I didn't I hear anything. I understand what you're talking about. Uh, I don't know. Sorry, it's it's also very apt that they're doing it in R Factor too. It is actually, think. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Goodness gracious. Um I am going to just quickly scroll down the list of entrants and just read out some <laughs> of the names that are going to be in this race as they pop out to me because the list of drivers they have in this thing is ludicrous. Um so just names that pop out as I scroll down the list. Uh, Max Pappis, Pietro Fittipaldi, Tony Canan, Charles Leclerc, Antonio Giovinazzi, um, Jensen Button, Alex Buncombe, Catherine Legg, Tatiana Calderon, Sophia Flush, Jan Magnussen, Nikki Katzberg, um, Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley, Mike Conway, Kamu Kobayashi, Jose Maria Lopez, uh, Darren Turner, Alex Lynn, Charlie Eastwood, Nikki Team. Um, Ollie Rowland, Fernando Alonso, Rubens Barrichello, Jamie Chadwick, Juan Pablo Montoya, Simon Pagano, 
Um, who else we got in here? Andy Prelo and Sebastian Prelo. Turn into the Names Podcast. John Eric Verne, Pierre Gasly. <laughs> Welcome to another hour of names with Chris. Norman Nato, Stoffel Van Dorn, Bruno Senna, Louis Delatraz, Will Stevens. I also like that he lets us interrupt him for a joke. We'll finally get some answers to who's faster. Yes! We'll finally get some <laughs> that is, in seriousness, no, that is there a, like a, a popular mainstream motorsport there that isn't represented. Antonio Felix Acosta, Felix Rosenquist, <laughs> Daniel Junkadela, Max Verstappen, Lando Norris, Olivier Panis. Lando Norris. Is there oh any God. supercars drivers, as in Aussie supercars? I didn't notice any supercars names. There might be, but I probably wouldn't recognise their names, even if they were. Boo. Simona de Silvestro, Nick Tandy, Andre Lotterer, Neil Jarney, Tom Dillman, Felipe Massa, Giancarlo Fisichella. I'll stop there. You get the gist. Um, You probably recognize the entire uh, Toyota World Endurance Championship team in there, which is because Toyota are entering two official entries to this with their entire real world team in them. Like everybody is throwing names at this. Like Porsche running about four cars in there. Williams and Rebellion are running a couple of cars together. Aston Martin are running like three or four. It's the most insane lineup I've ever seen for a race. Um, so uh, my my first um, my first thing about this is twenty four hours long time to be running R Factor, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder how many retirements are going to be due to computer crashed or game crashed. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a lot. <laughs> I'm telling you now. <laughs> yeah, was it? Um, I think it was Esteban Gutierrez at the weekend just gone. Basically, lost a championship because his computer crashed before the final race. Oh like... my god, esports man! Yeah, flipping esports. Honestly, it's crazy. Um, <sighs> there's there's tons of esports going on right now, but uh, this this may be worth a, a bit of your attention, if not just to see all those drivers driving at the same time. Yeah, I yeah. must admit, I am not that into esports and seeing that driver list because i did see i saw that list come out i saw them tweet it i was like it, it definitely it got my attention is what it did yeah it's it's definitely doing <laughs> 200 that. drivers on that list there's two it's yeah. a list of 200 yeah, it's incredible and yeah I'm, I'm gonna watch it i will totally watch it i'll probably have time to watch it because i won't be doing much that weekend i wouldn't have thought did you notice that alonso and barrichello like basically made their own team for that by the way Oh, yes. really? Yeah, they have yeah, yeah. like so, Alonso so, Barrichello racing. Yeah, it's like FARB and I think the I think the other two drivers are um actual sim racers rather than professional drivers. Yeah, because so. there is the Fernando Alonso esports team, isn't there? So I assume it's a couple of those guys. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I bet I bet they're from that. Yeah, never yeah. thought about it like that. It's it's very cool though. Um Is there a like a, a list somewhere of the actual teams? Yeah, I think it's on um yeah, yeah, hang on. I'll, on. I'll ping you a link. Yeah, we'll find. I'll find it after. But yeah, I'm. I'm sh- I've seen a list of them all laid out in team order. Yeah, and so. there are like, like proper manufacturers like um, Charles Leclerc and Giovinazzi are racing for a Ferrari team. Like, yeah, I think, I think the only real drivers that aren't necessarily driving for real teams is uh, Verstappen and Norris because they are both part of um, Team Redline, so they're driving for them. Yes, which yeah. is an esports team. Oh, here we go. I've got. I've got the press kit. Also, while we're talking esports, uh, Jensen Button won the Legends Championship at the weekend just gone, which was nice to yeah. see. Although Fernando Alonso has just turned up and won everything. He like turned up halfway through <laughs> the season, 
was shocking in his first race and then won four on the bounce. So he's he's got into his east. Can we be one hundred percent sure it's actually him driving? Well, <laughs> I mean, I saw him sat in a sim rig, but that doesn't necessarily Could you see mean his face? anything. Was his face obscured by a camera rig, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> it was very apt positioning for that camera rig. That's all I'm saying. Oh, right, I'm moving us on. I've I've talked I'm far too much you, today. <laughs> Which one he wants to do a bit of inbox for us? I'll go for it. Sorry, I was, I was trying to look at the uh, that press kit. Okay, um, where is, is is there? Okay, I see it. Um, a lot of very similar questions this week. Um, three that cover the same general subject. Um, first one, Vasco Breedenfeld. Do you think the Latifis could buy Williams? Um, Marcus Ingram asks, how do you think Williams will fare in the latest saga? Do you reckon we will lose them? And Stephen Barlow says, do you guys think Williams will get a buyer before the end of the season? And will George move to Mercedes 2021? Um, So we'll start with the Williams stuff, I guess, guys. Uh, Who wants to answer that first? Will Latifi Senior pull a Stroll Senior and just buy a team? That thought did occur to me. Um, I, you know, could happen. Could happen. I don't think it depends on the how deep his pockets are, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's financed Latifi Jr. a lot the way through his... It, much like the way Stroll was like kind of bankrolled to a degree by his dad. Like, And it's not to discredit their ability to be where they are because you've got to have at least something to get to where they are. But yeah, he's, he's def- there's definitely a possibility of it, but Going to the George thing, I think that Mercedes, honestly, would probably be a little bit daft to not try and move him somewhere else if if things don't go well for Williams over the course of this this sale procedure. Like I know he's obviously contracted to them at the minute, so he's, he's kind of in an okay place for now. But I think Mercedes do need to start thinking about where they want him to be um, for next season. And if that is going to be a Mercedes seat alongside yeah. Lewis. I'm, Lewis I'm not staying. too worried. I'm not. I'm not too worried about George. I think he's he's shown sort of what he can do against one. T- I mean, he has been really going around by himself for the most part of last season. But I think he did. He showed up. Um, oh, Robert Kubica last season. Um, I'm not necessarily worried for George, though. I'm worried for Mercedes. I know, I know they've got a very, very good car, and obviously they can attract many, many people to that car. But they have like nothing in reserve realistically, except George. If you think and Lando, probably Lando as well. We think Lando. Well, yeah, we think Lando. But if I were Lando, I'd probably want to stay at McLaren. To be honest, I don't know. He seems to have found himself there. Yeah, Yeah, I'd be happy with that. I'd be happy in a world championship winning car if I'm either of them. Depends how long it stays world winning, world championship winning after regulation changes, doesn't it? Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, we're in but... a very, very uncertain time for so many reasons at once now. But yeah, yeah. my so concern is more Mercedes mental. losing George, I think, not George being able to find a seat because I don't think he would struggle. Um, yeah, that's what that's essentially what I'm saying as well. Yeah. Um, so in answer to the question, will he move to Mercedes in 2021? You'd like to. F- Thinks it, dep- it really depends on how uh, how Valtteri Bottas's season goes, doesn't it? Yeah. If, if Valtteri has a good one, then he'll probably be in for another year. But if um, 
if not, then I reckon he'd be out on his or own. Or whether they're tempted by the German driver in the German car, of course. There is that too. <laughs> yeah, there's always there is always that. I, do you think that that I, I I just don't I think Vettel in a Mercedes with Lewis Hamilton there I can't see that. If if Hamilton goes, then maybe, but not not while Hamilton's there. Probably not. I I I bet they're not completely dismissing it to Mercedes. Yeah, it's highly unlikely, but. I can't see them just throwing out the idea completely just yet. Yeah, there is some. There would be something sort of, you know, German in a German car. I'm sure the top brass at Mercedes would. Uh, it, it, I mean, it wouldn't do them any harm, would it, as a brand in no, Germany at least? Exactly. No, and I mean, but, never mind the fact they can say we are now the however many times it is world champions with the two best drivers in the world in the car. Mm. Yeah, we, yeah. Whether, whether you believe that or not, it, it, would, would just, it would be just interesting though it. to see which of the two of them came out on top if if they were in that scenario. Yeah, mm. you gotta admit it would. It be was, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see that, right. but I think yeah. we've seen who's come out on top, sort of over the space of sort of four years. Them two really both being at the top of their game, especially Vettel in in a Ferrari, but, uh, to begin with at least. You might argue that Ferrari have not come up with the goods for Vettel. Uh, you might argue that Vettel hasn't come up with the goods for Ferrari towards the end of his uh, time there. But, I mean, we've got a whole season to play out yet, so you never know. We've got another ding-dong between the two. If if Ferrari have made a good car, then we mm. might be in for a hell of a season still. <laughs> you know, let's not write that off. We're talking about 2021 as though 2020's I know. in progress <laughs> when it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> Uh, Wesley Paul has said, uh, eagerly awaiting the next episode, but in the meantime, it looks like people are generating some fodder for the show. In the span of less than a week, I've seen reports that Bottas is going to Renault and Red Bull. Renault, yes, maybe. Red Bull, mm, think it's a stretch, uh, as Albon has performed well at Red Bull. Your thoughts? Bottas is not going to Red Bull. <laughs> no way. Maybe Renault, but not Red Bull. Yeah, if I was going to see him at one of the two, it would be Renault. Yeah, I, c- I can very much see him at Renault, actually. Um, yeah, for him to go to Red Bull, they'd have to bump Albon back down to Torosso, and I can't yeah, see them do that think, at this point. Um, I don't see that happening. No. Um, but yeah, I, I to can Renault, s- Alonso to Mercedes, done. <laughs> well, Alonso and Lewis together again because <laughs> it went so well that, last time yeah it went so well <laughs> yeah I bet he's on their shopping list would you rather have Bottas or Hulkenberg if you were Renault ooh I think we need a theme tune <laughs> would I rather have Bottas or Hulkenberg in terms of results Bottas um, because he's he's actually proven that he can run at the front and win races. Hulkenberg's come close, but never done it. So He's never had the car, though, has he? True. But Bottas was doing it when the Williams was kind of being thrusted along by that ridiculous Mercedes, didn't he? Yeah. So he, he did it in like a, an average to good car when it was like top of the midfield, let's say. You know what? I can't answer that question. I, I can't. I can't tell you who's better out of those two. I'm going to have to come back to you next week. 
Well, Mika Hakkinen reckons this is Bottas's year. He's saying Bottas world champion this year. Really? Finn's sticking with Finn's, eh? Yeah, imagine. Yeah, he would say that. He would say that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that about wraps us up this week, doesn't it? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. A very news-heavy week. But we are, we think, on the road to having an actual race now. We should be about a month away from having an actual race as things stand. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a nice place to be. You know, it's a nicer place to be. (laughs) What's that? Being in the middle of a season, having had a bunch of races and Uh, actual good stuff to talk about. (laughs) Chris Chris genuinely imagined that for a moment. You could just tell with the tone of his side. (sighs) I was thinking how excited we were pre-season. We got right up to doing a preview of the first race before it all fell apart. Yeah. Oh, dear. But... Focus on the future. We have a race coming up. It's going to be great. Yes. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at Back of the Grid F1. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Back of the Grid and you will find us. It's the lovely purple icon. You can also go to backofthegrid.com where you can fill in a contact form to email us. And that will do us for this week. As always, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I hope you're all staying safe and we will speak to you again soon. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. So, as always, thank you very much for joining. Thank you. Try that again, shall I? Hmm.